I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. Hope you find our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com to be helpful when you are making financial decisions. On today's show, I talk a lot about Apple because I'm asked a lot of questions about Apple. They are a cultural phenomenon. Apple has become the dominant, the iPhone, the dominant cell phone in the United States. To my knowledge, we are the first country in the world where iPhones have more than 50% market share in the world. Just so you know, Android is 70% of the market. Apple is so embedded in people's lives in the United States, and they're doing something that is a real deal for your wallet. I want to explain it to you and what it means about how banking works in the United States. And something that I have told you about going back last year, talked about it earlier this year, is now in place. It's how medical debts, in many cases, are not going to destroy your credit like they have in the past. I'll fill you in on that later. So now the Apple news. I've always believed this staid, archaic industry, the banking industry in the United States, was never going to change from within. It would only progress because of threats from without. And that's just how it is in industries. People are so insular. If you think the automakers would be tripping all over themselves to try to introduce electric vehicles if Tesla didn't exist, well, let me tell you, they'd still be saying, yeah, electric vehicles may be part of the future sometime mid-century or later. You know, it takes that outsider to disrupt. Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Vanguard have been the largest disruptors of the traditional banking industry in the United States and the investment community as well. But then change comes from so many different places, and Apple is doing its part with now offering a savings account that's FDIC insured, which is something that's obviously very important these days. Savings account that's FDIC insured, and this savings account is tied in, embedded with the Apple credit card that Apple is trying so hard to get people to carry, you know, to have as a digital thing on their iPhones. Uh, They will send you a card, but they don't ever want you to use the card. They want you to use Apple Pay and pay with the iPhone. And they've not been able to get the adoption of the card they hoped for. So now they got this attention getter. You can get 4.15%, at least for now, on the Apple savings account tied into the Apple credit card that you then use and add to from your iPhone, all part of strength on strength on strength. A typical bank still paying a fraction of 1% on savings. And so you got another disruptor here, Apple. This is great news. For your wallet. Something else I want you to be aware of is I want to bring up again, because this has come up too much. There are people out there uh, running ads 
promoting fantastic rates on savings or their version of CD. They can't call it a CD. And many of these non-traditional financial players, well, they're not FDIC or NCUA insured. And they are selling you the equivalent of promissory notes. And there's one that has come up before in questions from people on our podcast, and that's TELUS. And Barron's did a big story on them recently about how they kind of fudge on how your money is protected. The reality based on Barron's research is you do not have FDIC insurance. And the fact they're offering these great rates doesn't mean anything if they can't honor them. And there can be many organizations that mean the best, but even meaning the best isn't enough. And that's why making sure the money that you depend on for a rainy day for savings, uh, not the money you invest, but the money you're saving, that it needs to be under the umbrella of FDIC insurance or NCUA insurance. NCUA is for credit unions. And Krista, enough about how many times have I warned about insurance over the last 25 years? On I mean, I think people are really listening now. (laughs) Well, I saw, not to beat a dead horse, but I will. I saw a chart recently how much of various banks' deposits that where you are in an FDIC-insured bank, but what percent of those deposits are uninsured? And it's mostly businesses that have their money in these banks. And it's eye-popping how much of deposits are not FDIC-insured. And the people who handle cash management at a business, uh, could be a treasurer, could be a chief financial officer, a smaller business, could be little old you or me, we're being careless by leaving money in excess of FDIC insurance exposed. Go to questions now. Ryan in California says, I teach economics in high school and focus a lot on personal finance. I also try to teach these same lessons to my own kids. Besides teaching them to avoid debt, I also like to teach them the basics of investing. Are there any brokerage firms that you would recommend for first-time investors and any advice about investing that I can give them? I wish I had started at their age. Okay, so Ryan, fantastic you do what you do. I was laughing when Krista was reading your post because I have three kids and it seemed like growing up, none of them have heard a word I said about the basics of personal finance and investing. What's the cobbler's? Cobbler's children have no shoes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So it seems as they get older, they were hearing stuff, I was saying, thank goodness. But it is hard with your own kids. But Ryan, going to your kids or even others who are asking the question, I love what Fidelity Investments has done more than any other investment firm in offering the ability for people who are minors to have investment accounts and people of any age to be able to open accounts with $1 and to have access to Fidelity's zero funds. Fidelity as a marketing thing, but it's a long-term play on their part. 
has a small number of funds, index funds, which are where I like for you to be anyway, that they charge no commissions, but more important, they charge no ongoing administrative expenses. They absorb them at Fidelity. So they have really done the best job of anybody I've seen, in my opinion, of offering an entry point for people starting investing and especially for minor children. They allow more uh, flexibility and discretion on the part of minor children than anybody else I know of in the investment business. I have to tell you something. Yep. (laughs) Your oldest child, who is amazing and kind and sweet. I was having a conversation with her the other day and she was talking about an online purchase and she mentioned she used her debit card. And I was like, your debit card? Your dad hates debit cards. She knows. Okay. She's known that forever. <laughs> she said she she acted like she didn't know that. I was like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. So, <laughs> so the deal with Rebecca is she worries about going into debt. Mm-hmm. As she should. That's and smart. so that's very important to her. And she feels as if she, she has credit cards, but that if she used them mm-hmm. for everyday purchases, she would spend herself into oblivion and the debit card provides discipline. That's why I've always said that's a circumstance where using a debit card is okay. And uh, that was before I was fully aware that that's why Rebecca was doing that. I love that. And you know what? I would even go a step further, have a separate bank account for what you're willing to spend per month and use the debit card from that. And then like another account Which for is your mortgage. Great and- advice. Maybe you should have your own podcast. That Heck was no. really good. Heck no. Okay. James in Georgia says DirecTV sent me a prepaid credit card oh. instead of a check for a refund they owe me. I told them over and over I didn't want a credit card. What should I do? So this is the AT&T plague. You know, DirecTV no longer is directly controlled by AT&T, but this is the AT&T culture. They're really into what's called the break rate, that they, instead of sending you your money the way you wish when you're no longer a customer or whatever it is where they owe you money, AT&T's corporate culture that infested DirecTV is that they do the refunds on these prepaid cards, knowing that a certain amount of that money will never be redeemed, that someone will get down to a few dollars, the purchase will be declined, and AT&T ends up getting part of that money. So it is a strategy on their part. They do not bend from it. It is unsavory, it is anti-consumer, and it is wrong, AT&T. And yes, I'm still giving you full credit for this being the policy of DirecTV. So I guess James just needs to he's got to He's got to take that card. And James, the way you get back at AT&T, make sure you use every penny. You know how much money you're getting in that refund, Uh, A guy showed me in a store, he has a little note that he has wrapped around uh, one of these prepaid cards, and he writes down as he uses it so he knows how much money is left so he can wipe it out. What I did, I got one of these from AT&T for something. They owed me a rebate for something, and I got to the point where I wasn't as methodical as the guy who showed me the thing. I would keep using it for smaller and smaller purchases as it kept getting declined. And so now I have successfully 
wiped it out, but it shouldn't have to be that way. And some people will convert it into other gift cards or put it on their Amazon account because you can put down to the penny. So that's, that's something that's been suggested too. So uh, just so you know, if you're new to our podcast, the answer to every question Krista's life is <laughs> Amazon. Amazon. Andrew in Virginia says, is CarMax a good place to buy a car? CarMax is awesome. CarMax is a wonderful company. And you'll never guess who started CarMax. Do you know the... I don't know this. The late electronics retailer that I talked about recently on another podcast, Circuit City. Oh, I did not know that. Started in Richmond, Virginia by Circuit City. And CarMax has become a thriving enterprise, very powerful and influential in the used vehicle market. And they were birthed by Circuit City. And you like them because of their return policy, right? I like the clear disclosures. The price is laid out for you. You know exactly what the vehicle is going to cost. They don't play any games with you. Depending on market, you have uh, from days to, in some markets, as long as a month, to return the vehicle if you don't like it for a refund. And get an inspection. Within certain conditions. And what you do with CarMax, same thing with Carvana, any of the customer-friendly facing sellers of vehicles, is you, in the time you have that you're allowed to return a vehicle, you go have, uh, well, first you drive it for a day or two, you say, yeah, this is a great car. Then you go have it checked out by an independent mechanic of your choosing to make sure the thing's okay. Because if there's a problem on it you were not aware of that's going to come back to bite you in the wallet later, you then use that time period to return. You know, vehicle sellers of used vehicles, because used vehicles have unknown histories that don't give you the right to return a vehicle for a full refund within a period of time. That's poison to your pocketbook, and they are not deserving of your business. By the way, if you are, own a car dealership, again, the web address, clark.com slash clarkstinks. I look forward to hearing your perspective. Coming up ahead, I promised, I promised, and now I'm not a liar. <laughs> I got really important news for you about medical debt that I've been promising for so long, and now it's actually happened. I'm going to tell you how medical debt is not necessarily going to destroy your credit anymore, and it's not a will, it's actually in effect. I'm going to tell you how it works. Medical debt is a big problem for people in the United States, and the changes I'm going to talk about don't deal with the brutal consequences that some people suffer from medical debt, where most people in the United States who file for bankruptcy, it's not because of lifestyle or anything like that. The majority is because of medical debt, that people end up with these huge bills, even if they have insurance that they can't afford to pay, and ultimately they bankrupt out because of those bills. This is about smaller bills that account for roughly two-thirds of medical bills. And it can happen because of poor records at a medical facility or at an office or a lab or whatever, where they send a balanced bill to you at the wrong address. You don't even know it's out there. And before you know it, they ruined your credit for a bill that could be $40 or whatever. Well, 
as I promised last year, it's now happened. The three major credit bureaus now no longer report on your credit report any bill below $500, which is roughly uh, somewhere around two-thirds of all medical debts are now gone from people's credit reports that were under $500. And as I had a question recently from someone, does this mean people are just going to be irresponsible and if they owe me less than $500, they're not going to pay me? There will occasionally be somebody that will do that. But the problem here was not really about people just willy-nilly saying, hey, I'm going to stiff that doctor. It was really about the whole billing issues problems. And so the clerical problems in medicine are legendary. And ruining somebody's credit for years to come over a small medical bill, that's no longer going to happen. The other great thing, and this is something medical providers should be happy about, that is a direct incentive for people to pay unpaid medical balances greater than $500 is that if you pay it where it would have even paid, would have messed up your credit for seven years, the item is wiped clear of your credit once it's paid. I mean, this is great stuff. This is really good stuff. Then you add on top of it the No Surprises Act, which I've shared with you, that in many cases will prevent somebody from hitting you over the head with a bill that you're not supposed to get because of various circumstances that are still confusing. The good news is that medicine is back to doing more of what it should do, which is try to improve your health or save your life, not ruin your financial life. Krista? All right. Nathan in Wisconsin says, I recently received an explanation of benefits from my health care provider and a bill from the clinic for lab work that was taken when my doctor drew blood during my yearly physical exam over a year ago. Wait, 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 wait. It was never billed for over a year? I guess not. And I think he probably meant um, insurance company, the explanation of benefits. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is not cheap. It's $900, and I would like to know what options I have in not paying this. Would this fall under the No Surprise Billing Act? So No Surprises is, has a number of different wrinkles. The principal thing is when you go to a provider in network and they end up using someone out of network, and labs are the most common thing. So you have the added wrinkle that no bill was sent for such a long period of time. So start by contacting your healthcare provider, which is your insurer in this case is what I mean. Contact your insurer and find out why they sent you such a large bill, why it was not handled through insurance with just a small copay or balance bill for you. And if it is, they say, oh, well, that facility's not in network. Bam. No surprises act is the thing you use. The last time we told someone this about a lab bill, I heard back from the individual that as soon as he said, isn't this a no surprises act thing, after saying, you know, you owe this bill, you got to pay it, the tune and tone on the phone completely changed. 
and almost all the bill ended up being wiped out. So it doesn't mean, Nathan, that your specific situation fits no surprises. Hopefully, it is under that circumstance that they used an out-of-network lab, which is a patient you have no way of knowing. But here's the oddest thing. The lab doesn't know any of that about you either. Marianne in South Carolina says a national oil change place I went to one time keeps emailing me my Carfax, indicating that I haven't been keeping up with the maintenance. However, I do my maintenance with an independent mechanic. Is there any way I can correct this on the Carfax? I'm concerned that when I go to sell my car someday, whether privately or through a place like CarMax, that my Carfax report will be incorrect and negatively reflect on me. All right, so all you need to do, let me first deal with the Carfax thing. This is a big revenue stream for Carfax, helping independent shops try to get business from customers, turn them into repeat customers, saying, oh, this looks really bad for you. You haven't done this, that, or the other. So it is a uh, business generation activity that is a big moneymaker for Carfax because they can't live just off of, selling you and me Carfax reports. Their money is really made to the trade in the automotive industry. This by itself is not going to do you any harm at all. Your independent mechanic can give you a report when you go to sell your vehicle showing that you have done all maintenance as required. This is just a form of solicitation that's bothering you. And James in Kansas says, I live on a small farm and frequently use my diesel pickup, which runs great. However, it's a 2012, and I would love to get the electric Ford Lightning, but at what point is it justified? My diesel has about 190,000 miles, but runs similar to the day I bought it. It's obviously high maintenance and fuel, but I'm sure there are a lot of miles left in it, and electric vehicles keep improving. The Cybertruck looks exciting and is coming soon. When do I pull the trigger on an electric pickup? Pickup. You only buy an electric pickup truck right now if you just got to have it. So you give this one another year to play out, maybe till 25 to play out. And then we're going to have enough models in the marketplace. The automakers are going to have ramped up production enough that these pickup trucks will not be surcharged anymore. When you look at what Ford dealers are marking up the Lightning to, you look at what a Rivian pickup truck costs, these are so expensive, and we're just going to have more variety of models. We're going to have more available if you just hold off. I mean, electric sedans and SUVs are becoming more plentiful by the week, it seems, and the prices are coming down model by model with the pickup trucks got to let the clock run some. Jennifer in North Carolina says, hey, Clark, my Yorkshire Terrier of 15 years passed away last December. Sorry. Sorry, Jennifer. I've joined multiple online social groups that share pictures of their Yorkies and people who have Yorkies available for adoption. However, I've noticed a lot of postings about scams. One person I contacted said that I could not pick up the Yorkie, and that she would have to have it delivered to me. That seemed very impersonal and a little sketchy. What do I need to do to make sure I don't get scammed? Okay, first of all, good radar on your part. That one was 100% a scam, and that's how they operate, is they say they're going to deliver or they're going to meet you somewhere, but you got to pay in advance. 
and people get scammed over and over again. And not as often right now as that happened three years ago. When people got lonely during COVID, there was a clamor to get a dog, adopt a dog, whatever, and people were getting ripped off constantly. Uh, Now there's actually a surplus of dogs available in the country because a lot of people got pandemic puppies. Now that they fully resume normal life, they can't fit the puppy, now dog, in their lives anymore. And so uh, there's a lot available. So if you can't go and see the dog, check out the dog, see the medical, the vet records on the dog, and pay for the dog at that time, you don't get the dog. And anybody who says, pay me now, and we'll work out the details later, we'll deliver later, uh uh-uh, you are going to get ripped off. And if you've got room in your home for a dog right now, there are a lot of dogs out there that would really love to be adopted by you and be in your home because we've got this we had such an imbalance the other way three years ago now we got a problem with these shelters just teeming with dogs right now and overwhelmed by them so if it does fit in your life maybe you consider it and thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast i hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll enjoy us tomorrow tomorrow